I had a birthday yesterday and I, I felt a bit like, not, what was the word? I felt a bit guilty or I felt a bit like, not reprimanded, but when um, Sandra shared this morning, because I do feel like a bit like, oh, birthdays, like I just don't really want to celebrate another year kind of thing. But I am very, very grateful to be alive. I'm grateful for all sorts of things. I'm grateful for my family. It's really grateful to spend some time on Friday night with my mum and dad. My mum's been really unwell and I'm celebrating that she's still alive and I can celebrate with her. So I think birthdays are a good opportunity, aren't they, to stop and to remember how good it is to, to have people that love you and that surround you. Um, and of course, my favourite people are my immediate family, those that live in my house. But some of my least favourite times with Phil, Brad, Chloe and Emily. Um, so Brad's 19 and Chloe and Emily are 16, just to get a bit of a picture for those of you who don't know our family. Some of my least favourite times these days are when we're in the car or together. It's just so squishy. In fact, even on our way here this morning, um, the girls were, was it this morning or last night, the girls were asking about um, our holiday, which isn't until July, to go to the Gold Coast for a week. And they were saying, are we all driving up together? Because if so, I'm not coming. You know, like saying it right here in April, I'm not going in July if we're all going to be in the car together and we're already working on a plan. Maybe we can fly one up, you know, that kind of thing. Because it's not always that, um, that exciting. But I do have this love-hate relationship with a game that we play in the car. Yes, we still play games. Sorry, Phil. Do you want to come and do this sermon or me? <laughs> I think this is my turn. 20 minutes a week, that's all I get. It's my turn. <laughs> anyway, that's not even true. We play this game and Phil's saying that I don't play and I complain because I don't really like this game. I was told yesterday that I don't like this game because I always lose and I only like to play games that I win, which is kind of true. But, but also, it just annoys me because the game is that normally Phil will have a playlist on him his phone, you know, that he's got from somewhere, and we won't, we'll hide the display so that we can't see what song's coming up, and we have to guess, the first one, the winner is the first one to guess what song's going to be played, and often it just takes a couple of beats, sometimes it takes a lot longer to work out the song that is being played, and um, I do always come last, the order pretty much in my family goes Bradley, Emily, <laughs> Chloe, and then Phil, and then I'm somewhere down here. I always come last. Um, and often if I'm on a long trip, I want to sleep or something to pass time, and it's very distracting because they yell over the top of each other, and they laugh, and they correct one another. And um, it is sort of fun, but sort of gets frustrating. But the most frustrating thing for me is the skipping of songs. You know, you just start enjoying a song a few, you know, a few lines in, you enjoyed it, someone's guessed it, and because they've guessed it, skip, they move on to the next song. It's like, I love listening to a song and appreciating, and as I wrote in the messenger comment, if you've read it, appreciating, you know, that moment in time I first heard that song and, and enjoying the song, but the, the game doesn't allow for that. So the whole car trip is like, skip, 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 skip of songs. I want to stop and remember and cherish the song, but no, that doesn't happen. And how am I ever going to learn the songs to be able to win if they're just skipping through them all the time, really? Maybe that's what it's about. But there's something about songs, isn't there? They bring up emotions. They cause memories. They, they make you feel good sometimes. And other songs make you feel heartbroken. If you've ever broken up a relationship and there's a certain song that you used to love, every time you hear that song, you feel a bit heartbroken. Anyone relate? Yes. Um, for me, one of the songs I love that you know, doesn't come on the radio every, very often is the song Fallen by Lauren Wood. And Phil, why do I like that song? What memory does it bring back? <laughs> Sorry? 
our first dance at our wedding. Thank you. <laughs> there was a little bit of a blank look for a moment there. But, you know, like it will take me back to that day. And I remember actually how I felt that day, how happy I was. How happy I still am. But how, what a good choice that was on that day. And that will be affirmed to me. This isn't like a pick on Phil sermon. Okay. But... So, okay, so here's the link. Ready? Let's move on. We can only imagine, can't we, how Peter felt that day, thinking of Palm Sunday. And that song, as the disciples escorted Jesus into Jerusalem, that the crowd was singing. Thousands of people were making their way. It wasn't just these disciples and a few people. Thousands of people were making their way from the surrounding countryside into Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of the Passover. They weren't necessarily here actually, for Jesus. They were here to celebrate the Passover. And as the crowds came closer, they would sing songs that stirred those deep emotions, that reminded them about what God had done in the past. Their ancestors had sung them for centuries. It was this tradition. And they sang songs that reminded them how God rescued them from Egypt, how God had, had like in that great original first Passover, had led them to be freed from slavery and escape. That many thousands of years ago. And if we look this morning at the lyrics of this song that we're singing, this chant, um, we'll read them in Matthew 21, 6 to 9. Phil read it earlier. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They bought the donkey and the colt and put them on their cloaks and he sat on them. Most of the, sorry, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and the others cut branches from the trees and spread them across the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Peter knew this song by heart, as did the other people there that day. In fact, every Jew knew this song. It was based on Psalm 118. And it was a psalm that cried out to God for salvation, for rescue, for deliverance, and to plead for a successful and a great life. Psalm 118, 25, 26. Save us, we pray, O Lord. We pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They'd sung this song over and over again. The Jews knew this song. And you would probably know if you've been around in church for any, any Palm Sunday before that, that that word save us is Hoshiana. And it's related to the word Yeshua, which is Jesus. And it translates salvation. Salvation, um, preservation or deliverance from harm, ruin or loss. Salvation is about God reaching into our life and delivering us from that which would harm us. Last week, Phil reminded us so beautifully that salvation is about God's offer of connection. Wasn't that a beautiful image? We're saved through connection with Jesus. Notice the lyrics mentioned earlier in the psalm, Psalm 118, so before that part that they were yelling out. It says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. I'm not sure if you know, I'd forgotten this. I had learned it when I did Old Testament a very long time ago. But as I was reading and preparing, I was reminded that Psalms 113 to Psalms 118, you should read them in preparation for Easter, but this group of Psalms are known as the Egyptian Halal Psalms. And these songs recount in part the saving of God from, from the past, as I've said. And so as Jewish pilgrims um, led to the feast of uh, the Passover, they wouldn't just sing that one verse that we've got recorded in Scripture. They would sing these five psalms. They knew them by heart. 
talking about how God had saved them, delivered them. Hallel means praise. So they sung hallelujahs, praise songs to God who'd saved them in the past. You know, these people got the importance of remembering. That's what we did this morning. Did you you notice? We stopped and in giving gratitude to God, in saying what we're grateful for, we remembered what God had done in the past. It is so powerful. They were good at it. They got the importance of remembering these people, this nation. I think we've lost that art a little bit, haven't we? Of remembering the God who saved us intentionally. Though we get to do that at least at Easter time, but we should be doing it all the time. Celebrating what is done in the past to inspire us for the future. So if you're thinking at all, oh, Easter again, I've heard it before, I want to encourage you to take this week or as a time to prepare um, your hearts to continue reflecting on what God has done in the past so that you can be encouraged for what God's going to do with you in the future. Maybe you need to stop and you need to list out not just what you're grateful for, but significant things that God has done in your life. Significant times you've been rescued, you've been saved, you've been delivered. We can't be sure of what Peter was thinking this day as he entered Jerusalem. We can't be sure. But surely as he was singing that song, Save Us, surely he had to acknowledge an incident that had happened not too much earlier. I reckon that song perhaps transported him back. It wasn't skipped. He had a moment to take this song in. I reckon that it transported him back to that day, as we saw in the video, where he was with Jesus in the middle of a storm. That moment of magnitude that that Peter was actually physically, very literally saved. Peter had been in a terrible storm. The other disciples had experienced um, that with him in this boat on the Sea of Galilee. And Peter cried out to Jesus to rescue him from certain death by drowning. It takes place a little bit earlier in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. And we're going to just read, take a few moments to read it this morning. But what it, the context, Jesus had just fed thousands of people. Just fed them all these fish sandwiches from a couple of fish and a few loaves. The hour was getting late in the day and so the, the bellies of the masses were full. They'd been fed and Jesus was ready to, um, for him and his disciples to move on. And so this is what happened. Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, Is it a ghost? And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked in the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Surely this scene from Peter's life marked him, made him different. Whenever he thought about salvation, whenever it was, Jesus was referred to as saviour, as the one who saved, surely he thought about this moment in time. 
He'd witnessed Jesus do amazing miracles like feeding the masses. And Peter finds himself right here in the middle of a storm, rowing for his life with the other disciples late in the night. But suddenly Jesus is there and he's out of the boat and he's walking on water. Pretty amazing, really. Then he saw it. He saw the wind, or rather he saw the effects of the wind. He took his eyes off Jesus, the narrative says, and he focused on those waves that were crashing around him. And he realised again he was a man in need of saving, of rescue from the depths that were under his feet. Lord, save me, it says in Matthew 14, verse 30. I think in that moment, Peter was experiencing that, that faith mixed with fear and doubt. He had faith, sure enough. I would never say, Jesus, can I come out onto the water and walk with you? Like, what great statement of faith to know that God or Jesus would enable him to do that. But as with us so often, our faith is mixed with doubt and fear. He had faith, but his confidence in God and in himself in that moment is weak. Have you been there? Disciples had just come from this incredible outpouring, this demonstration of God's provision of all that he was capable of. They, their faith must have been bolstered. But here they are just a few miles out from the shore, not too far from where Jesus was, and they are absolutely petrified with fear. Lord, save me, Peter says, Matthew fourteen thirty. Have we acknowledged again in this preparation for Easter that we are in need of saving? That we're in need of rescue? That we can be celebrating a life of faith, but we can still have doubts that are there and fears that are, are around us all the time. We can take our eyes off Jesus so easily, even when we're doing something so intently with him. Because we're people who are in need. We're people who need saving, who need rescue so much of the time. It's so easy for us to lose confidence in ourselves and even in our God. Jesus saved Peter. He caught Peter by the wrist. He pulled him back up and pulled him back into the boat and the seas calmed and the wind stilled. And what happened? I love this part. It says that those in the boat worshipped him and confessed, acknowledged that he was the son of God. Isn't that an amazing result? This, this encounter wasn't just for Peter, but an amazing encounter it was for him. But do you notice the effect? Those who were with him stopped, acknowledged who God was, and worshipped him. It's a little bit like what happened here this morning. Someone gave thanks to God, and so many of us, our spirits rose, and it's like, yeah, God's done that in my life too. Or, oh, wow, God really is great. You know, when our, our salvation story, what God's done to save us, can impact others. But if you're thinking today, I don't have much of a salvation story, I don't notice that big a difference, allow other people's salvation story to impact you. That's why we're a community of believers. That's what it's all about. Those in the boat responded. They worshipped because of what Jesus had done for Peter and therefore for them. So Jesus comes to his people in the storms of life, doesn't he? He comes. But the climax of the story is not when he comes. It's not even when Peter walks on the water. But actually the purpose of Jesus coming is for us to acknowledge who he is and to worship him, to acknowledge that he is the saviour. And moments like that they would never forget. 
And so back to this parade, this triumphant parade. I think on this day, it was quite possible that many, not just Peter, acknowledged the things that God had done in their lives to save them. And surely as they were singing Hosanna on that day, they were remembering how good God had been to them by sending Jesus to show them what God was like. So this Psalm 18 was probably the last song that Peter and his disciple, the other disciples and Jesus would sing together, would be with together before Jesus made his way to the garden, to the arrest, to the trial, to the beatings, and ultimately to the cross. That day they were yelling, Jesus, save us. But they still did not really understand what was to come in this next period of time. Jesus really would save them. Help us, deliver us, rescue us. He's the one who came to answer. This is what they, they were thinking at the time, I'm sure. One who came to answer our prayer. Singing songs of hallelujah, praise songs. You know that Jesus has saved us. Even if we haven't acknowledged our need for him yet, even if we're just exploring what this Jesus is all about, he has already done the work to save us. He's already grabbed us by the wrist and lift us into the boat. He's already calmed the storm around us. And as we enter this Easter period, the invitation is to come and see, to stop, to listen to the song through and take time to remember what God's done in the past, either in our own lives or in the lives of our nation, in the lives of our friends, in the lives of the world, to stop and to celebrate again this Easter that Jesus is the Son of God and to worship him. Let's take it personal as we finish up now. What, what do we need to be saved from? You might want to close your eyes for a moment and think, what are the winds and the waves that are around your life right now? Things that would seek to, to take your attention away from the Saviour. Maybe they're not big sins that we need saving from today. Maybe it's distractions, smaller things that are getting in the way. Important things that are getting in the way of our, the best thing in our life. What do we need to be saved from? What are the fears that we have that we need God to alleviate today, to remind us that he's with us and that his perfect love will cast out that fear? Perhaps for some of us, we need to dedicate some time this next week to be reminded, to allow ourselves to go back and celebrate what God's done for us. Don't just skip through Easter this year. Don't just say, I know it, I've been here before. You're going to preach on the same things as you always do. You're going to preach on the fact that God saved me, he loves me, he's gracious, his blood was spilt for me. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to stop and remember what God has done for us. Let ourselves hear the story again and be reminded of who he is, that he is indeed the Son of God and that we are broken vessels that are in need of a Saviour. So we're going to sing and reflect right now. If you'd like to come, as always, the mercy seat is here. You can come and kneel and pray here. You can pray in your seats. But take this time to remember what God has done for you and to thank him for that gift.